Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Dante, are you there now? Yes, there Dante, you are. All okay, here we go. Now. That was on my side. My fault. I'm sorry. All right. We back on the air? Now we're here. All right. That was my fault. I had a phone issue. I hit the wrong button. And thanks, Dante, for bailing me out. Every now and then, I, after 26 years, you think I'd learn how to do this. Anyway, I was saying no one could hear me, but the weather has been... Uh, the weather's been pretty fantastic today, yesterday, and today. It looks like we're going to have some great weather. We have a lot of water to deal with yet, and, of course, a lot of adverse effects from some of those storms. And we'll talk about what that's doing to your outdoor activities during the course of the show. Right now, since I screwed up the beginning of the show, let's go to our first guest and get this thing started. Uh, joining us is Dave Taylor from Trout Unlimited. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Terry. How's it going? Looks like a beautiful day out there, doesn't it? Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Hard to be in the studio, Dave, on days like this. I'll bet even you, you're looking out, you wish you were on a river somewhere, huh? Yeah, well, I'm lucky enough where I live here in Lafayette, but uh, in my home office where I look out the window, I can see up to the Indian Peaks and the Arapaho Glacier, and on a sunny day like today, well, it's pretty much fun talking about fishing. I'd kind of rather be out there doing it. But as yeah. you uh, mentioned just a minute ago, there's a heck of a lot of runoff still going on, so it's making it a little tough for a stream fisherman. It is, but I think there's still opportunities out there, and we'll talk about some of those later in the show. And maybe I'll even get a tip from you if we have time at the end. But we want to talk about an event that's calling, coming up called uh, Trout Fest that's put on by Trout Unlimited. Before we get to the event, though, um, you've been highly involved with Trout Unlimited on their boards and uh and board members and chairman for several years and held different offices. Trout Unlimited to the general public, they think about it as a fly fishing organization. And it's it's true that a huge majority of the members of Trout Unlimited are fly anglers, but that's not really the the mission or the sole mission of Trout Unlimited, is it? Uh, no, it's not. And yes, m- most of our members are fly fishermen, but the focus of the organization is really about conservation, cold water conservation, preserving, protecting, enhancing that cold water resource uh, for trout and salmon. It's here in Colorado, it's all about trout. Uh, we have a lot of issues facing our trout streams here. Uh, so we want to address them head on through prudent conservation efforts so that uh, our children and grandchildren can enjoy the great sport of trout fishing for generations to come. 
Well, and the best way to get people involved in conservation is really to get them outdoors doing activities and have them realize the value of the outdoors. I've always said for years, the original conservationists were were people, were anglers and hunters. Um, and as other people came on, because they wanted to preserve the resource, both to continue their activities and a lot of times it was their substance. Now, you're going to have an event coming out coming up called Trout Fest, and that really is kind of designed at getting people out into the outdoors, isn't it? Yeah, you're exactly right. Hunters and fishermen, as you and I know, but most people don't realize the dollars we pay in fees and equipment, taxes, et cetera, that really goes for paying for conservation in the U.S. for fishing and hunting and many wildlife agencies, uh, which are themselves all about conservation, right? Uh, so we want to get people involved. And like anything else, you want to get a vast audience involved and including people at a younger age. We want to continue this great tradition forward. Uh, rather than focusing on video games, I'd like to see kids out on the streams as well. So Trout Fest Colorado is really a celebration about fishing, uh, we're, we want it to be family-friendly. A great thing is it's free. It's at Coors Field. I'll repeat that, free. Last year we did a pilot of this and had a few hundred people. We're expecting several thousand this year. It's from noon to 6 o'clock on July 8th. So whether you're a fisherman or not, but if you're interested in fishing or the resource, come on down. Uh, if you're a woman who wants to get into trout fishing, if you want to bring your kids, bring the family, we have a huge kids corral area where you can learn about streams and fish and the biology and learn to tie a fly and practice their casting. Uh, we'll have a panel on women and fly fishing. We're going to be showing films on the giant gore board at Coors Field throughout the day about conservation. And then we've got exhibits from top uh, manufacturers in the fishing world, and then nonprofits as well, and then agencies like the Colorado Division of Parks and Wildlife will be there, Denver Water. So if you want to know anything about fishing or water, the fun of it, the fun side, or the conservation side, come on down to Trout Fest on July 8th. Yeah, and this is really aimed at not only the existing fly fishing public, which we really want them to show up and rub elbows and everything. But it's also aimed at, like you said earlier, just the curious who maybe want to get into fishing or want to know what Trout Unlimited is about. But really, it, there's going to be a lot of experts there. Like if you're new, picking out gear or you even get to try some gear while you're there, I believe. Is that right? Absolutely. Some of the biggest names and. Fishing will be there, such as Orvis and Ross Reels and Mystic Fly Rods and Monic Fly Lines out of Boulder, uh, Front Range Anglers, Local Fly Shop, Patagonia, Abbott Max, uh, from the nonprofit side, Denver Water, Healing Waters, Casting for Recovery, which are volunteer organizations that help uh, vets and cancer survivors and things like that. So the message is wide and broad. But like you say, we don't want to be singing to the choir. We want to get lots of people interested in the sport and involved in conserving the cold water resource in Colorado. So this is a great opportunity. We're casting a wide net to get as many people, women, children, people of color, et cetera, who are thinking about fishing, want to know more about it, whether you're, 
a novice, don't know anything, or the greatest expert, you can have a great time at this event. Or you could be like me and just think you're one of the greatest experts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you've been doing this a long time. I'll put you in the expert level, that's for sure. I'm 66. Um, I've been fly fishing for, you know, 40 years. Uh, I'm pretty good at it. I don't know if you equated it to a handicap index in golf, but I'm a lot better fisherman than I am golfer. I'll say that. Oh, I am much better at fishing than I am golf. I am the worst, world's worst golfer. Um, yeah, you know, we're going to have, they're going to have presentations being put on by experts giving tips on both getting started and even advanced tips. And, you know, if people are just mildly inter- interested and don't know if they want to come down, there's another little caveat, too, and that's you get a tour of Coors Field while you're there, I believe. Yeah, so a question might be, what the heck are you putting a big trout fishing festival on a Coors Field? Well, let me tell you. Uh, two places in Colorado that people want to go to and experience the most are Red Rocks and Coors Field, man-made places, not our great natural places. Uh, so how cool is it to have an event like this in the ballpark? And it's on the concourse level, so just in case there's weather, there's coverage. Uh, but will you be using the Jumbotron there and showing some conservation and fishing films? And then the exhibitors will be spread out. But, yes, we'll have demo areas where you can try out different rods and cast them. We'll have experts in casting and fly tying, some of the best in the state, going off their craft, uh, and just a ton of things to learn. It's really a, a one-on-one type experience that you can have with someone from one of the top manufacturers in the world to talk about their equipment. Or if you're just wanting to learn to fly fish, uh, go to a session on women and fly fishing. There are a lot of women out there who'd love to fly fish but don't have a friend or person who knows the sport or is willing to help or mentor them. Come on down. That's what this is all about, and especially family-friendly. So, number one, it's free. Then at uh, 7 to 9 at night, we're showing on the giant screen at Coors Field. How cool is that? IF4, the International Film Festival film. So that's the only thing we're charging for. It's 20 bucks, but a big asterisk on that one is free for 16 and under. So you can bring your kids down to Coors Field, watch a fishing film on fishing wonderful locations around the world for exotic species of fish on a giant scoreboard in Coors Field and, uh, you know, do it at a, at a low price for the whole family. So that's pretty cool. So let's go through the timing and the cost and everything again. It's on uh, July 8th, which is two weeks, I believe. It, that's it. It's tw- it 12 to 6 during the day, and it's free for that 12 to 6. All the things Absolutely. you talked about, it, all the things you talked about, except that uh, film at 7 o'clock, which is after the 12 to 6, are free. And I think there's even food available. It's not free, but the concessions will be open. Is that right? Yeah, there's a couple of concession stands open, so you can enjoy some ballpark fare. Uh, if you're an adult, uh, you can certainly enjoy a beer. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, because of the fun of the ballpark atmosphere, you can be eating a dinger dog and then go sign up and take a tour of Coors Field, go in the locker room, get a chance to stand out on the warning track. Uh, very fun stuff, and again, hundred percent free. Yeah, put mark your calendar, folks. Seven, eight, and you know one of the things, Dave, that we found 
Uh, for most outdoor activities, if you don't start when you're young, you don't get started. And you, it's very difficult sometimes to get into it, finding the right mentorship or understanding what it takes. Fly fishing has kind of broken that mold a little bit where more than other outdoor activities, fly fishing will attract some more people when they are already adults. But, boy, if you can get kids into the outdoors at the early age and get them uh enthusiastic about an outdoor activity we used to have a saying buy him a tackle box not an xbox it can really be life-changing can't it yes and that that is a great uh, expression i love it or slogan and that's why we're putting so much focus on youth here we will have an entire area we're calling it the kids corral uh you can come down there with your child of any age uh, they can learn about conservation but particularly about the sport we want to get young people engaged because they're the future. And uh, for those uh, who don't know someone to mentor them or teach them in, in fishing or get them into it, this is the perfect place. So if you have a child who wants to fish and you don't, come on down. We'll uh, hook you up with people who can get you out on the stream and having a great time and family fun. All right. We got it. We're out of time, Dave, but great event. Hopefully we'll get a lot of people. We'll make sure we mention it during the course of the show in the next couple of weeks. Hey, uh, so much fun and appreciate being on here for all your listeners. Uh, let's have a great fishing season once this runoff is done. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. You bet. Dave Taylor with Trout Unlimited. I want to say sorry again for the beginning of the show. Totally my screw-up. You'd think after 26 years I would know how to start the show. But Dante bailed me out. He took care of me, so thank you for that. Uh, this is a great event. You should m m mark this down in two weeks. What a way to spend a free day at Coors Field and learn about fly fishing. We are also going to talk about another event later in the show called Casting for Kids. It's at Chatfield. Uh, it's a life-changing event. You need to stay tuned and hear more about that. But we have lots coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors after this time out on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Jack's has locations up and down the front range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, just check one out. Just walk in and look around. You'll be pleasantly surprised let's go to the phones and joining us from the jackson lake reservoir state park is uh, tyler sewell good morning tyler good morning terry how are you this morning i'm doing great how's the weather out at jackson you've out in the east eastern plains you've had a little bit of a uh, rough weather at times yeah we've been pretty lucky at jackson lake we've we've gotten a lot of uh rain just like everybody else but fortunately the the tornadoes and the hail have missed us uh, but today it's uh, clear skies and sunny and uh, looking like it's going to be a good weekend. Uh, it looks sad. Look, hopefully a few coming up. You know, for people who don't know where Jackson Lake is, why don't you give them the location, kind of describe where it's at and describe the park a little bit. Yeah, we're, uh, we're located about uh, 60, 65 miles east of Denver. Um, we are kind of, uh, if you triangulate, uh, straight east of Greeley and east of Denver, we kind of, uh, are about the same distance from both. Um, we are about, uh, I, I think it's eight miles north of I-76, straight north of Wiggins. Um, and we're located in northwest Morgan County. Um, and Jackson Lake is a, uh, 
it's it was one of the original state parks, kind of a group of state parks that was built in 1965. And uh, we are mostly a camping and boating uh, recreation area. And so we have 250 campsites uh, that are spread out on seven campgrounds. And then we have a 2,600-acre uh, reservoir that is uh, pretty flat, uh, warm water, shallow, uh, sandy bottom reservoir, um, which is ideal for, uh, for some pretty good fisheries for wiper and walleye. And then we also are really well known for our water skiing and wakeboarding um, in the, you know, the calm morning hours. So um, pretty diverse park. We're one of the few parks that also offers uh, an OHV track for four-wheelers and side-by-sides and dirt bikes. Um, which is also a great track for beginners, and uh, and then um, and then we offer uh, hunting in the fall when the campgrounds close. We open up some hunting areas, so uh, pretty diverse park and a lot of recreational opportunities. Oh, there certainly is. I've been there many times myself. You know, one thing people think about out on the Eastern Plains, they don't realize that we're going to talk about some improvements you've done and some other things that go on at the park. But one of the things they don't realize is a lot of your campgrounds have a fair amount of trees in them. Yeah, we've been trying to do uh, some more improvements with that, and we've been doing some uh, mitigation of some of our invasive Russian olive trees, but we do have a lot of shaded sites. Um, you know, a lot of people refer to Jackson Lake as Oasis on the Plains, and, uh, and it really is. When you're driving out there, it's, it's pretty flat uh, terrain and uh, grasslands and not much trees, but once you get into the park, it is kind of a different world. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty green and a lot of shade and a lot of trees in some of our campgrounds. So uh, it's not what you would expect when you're driving out there. And you and I talked earlier, and I understand the reservoir is full right now. Is that right? Yep. We, uh, we're pretty high on the river priority list, so we are fortunate that we start every season with a full reservoir. Um, I know not a, not a lot of other lakes have that ability, but uh, we do start off full. But whether we stay full is kind of a different story. Well, you know, one of the things, people will find this amusing, but Jackson Lake is rated as one of the 10 top park beaches in North America. And right now when it's full, you don't have much beach because your water's all the way up. But as the water does come down as farmers irrigate, you end up with this beautiful sandy beach, don't you? Yeah, we do. We're uh, we're pretty lucky in that uh, a lot of the soils are sandy um, on you know in, in our area and down in the Weldon Valley. And so when the water levels drop, we do get a lot of big sandy beaches that are there. It's all natural sand. We don't have to ship it in or or make it uh, on our own. But it's, um, yeah, it is a really nice area when the water starts to drop, usually in like July and August and then through the fall. Uh, so it's a great place if you want to take the family out and have kids on the beach and have some shallow areas. Uh, it's, it's really a nice place as the water drops. Uh, it's kind of one of the benefits that we gain, uh, even though we kind of lose the ability to, to keep boating for the season. Now, one of the things you, for, I wanted two things we really want to talk about. One is your dark sky program, but before we get to that, you've done a number of campground improvements. Quickly tell us about those. Yeah, we were pretty fortunate uh, about a year and a half ago to get some uh, unexpected funding, and that allowed us to make some improvements to our Fox Hills campground. So, um, those people who are uh, familiar with Jackson Lake will know that Fox Hills is one of our biggest campgrounds. And it has uh, 96 campsites in it, and it was typically just uh, non-electric. And 
So this winter we were able to put uh, 50 amp electric in there. And so that's been really popular. And so we're able to accommodate a lot more campers this season. Uh, so we're pretty happy about that. That's awesome. And the last thing is you're a certified dark sky location, which if people have never done star viewing and planet viewing, even just by the naked eye in a dark sky environment, the stars seem to go on forever. And in addition to that, you have programs that are associated with that. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, we started working a couple of years ago on uh, becoming a certified dark sky park through IDA, which is the International Dark Skies Association. Um, and part of that process was just uh, taking a look at Jackson Lake and eliminating a lot of our outdoor lighting or putting covers on our outdoor lighting. And, uh, and we were able to meet the requirements for an IDA location. And so um, we are a great place to view the night sky. And uh, you got really good views of the Milky Way. Um, and so what we've seen since getting that certification is we are getting a lot more astro tourism to the park at night and, uh, and a lot more people that are digging out some old telescopes out of their attic or, um, or starting to come out and learn more about, uh, astronomy and join on some of our programs. Um, and we, we have found that there's quite a network of people in Colorado that know a lot about astronomy and bring out their telescopes and, are more than willing to share those with uh, our park visitors and, and people who don't have their own. And so we've been doing a number of programs on weekends throughout the summer and fall um, and to allow people to have uh, some of those views of the dark sky, and especially when we have like some, uh, some unique uh, events that are taking place. Yeah, and I think you have a lot of these scheduled events. And if people go on the Facebook or the website for uh, Jackson Lake State Park, I think you probably list most of the events there, right? We do, yeah. We try to post them on our uh, Facebook page, and we try to post them on our website. Um, and uh, we do offer a number of programs throughout the weekend, but we, we do sprinkle in our astronomy programs in there. Um, we, we have two coming up. This fall, uh, we're going to have one on uh, Saturday, August 19th, and then another one on uh, Saturday, September 16th, and those are both at 8 p.m. So um, the public is welcome to come out, and you don't have to be camping to come out and enjoy that. Um, and so uh, we're always happy to, to pull out the telescopes and give people a good view of the, of the night sky. Tyler, we're out of time, but just I know personally from being there what a great place it is to go, folks. Check out Jackson Lake. Whether you go for day use, it's only a little over an hour's drive from Denver, or you go there and camp, check it out. You're going to have a great time. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, thank you, Terry. Appreciate the time. You bet. Uh, it is a great place. By the way, uh, a listener wanted to know about catfishing at Cherry Creek. Um, we will get maybe not the next segment because we're going to talk fishing in the mountains, but during the course of the show, I will try to address that as much as I can. There is some great catfishing in Colorado. All of that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Let's go to the phones, and joining us from up in the Dillon area is Randy Ford. Good morning, Randy. Hey, Terry. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, and I want to talk I want to talk about your operation and how family-friendly it is and how you've devoted so much time to getting people out and just getting them a great, fun experience. 
But before we do that, let's get a little bit into a couple of the lakes you spend a lot of time on, and that's Green Mountain and Dillon. Why don't we talk about Dillon? We haven't covered either of these lakes for a while. Dillon is one that you kind of brought to our attention what was going on with the Arctic char a few years ago and how it was changing that lake. So what's going on with Dillon right now? Oh, well, you know, it's kind of unique conditions out here this season with uh, all the moisture and rain that we've had and cooler temps. The lake is already at full pull, um, which is a little bit earlier or, you know, a fair amount early for for your um, normal seasonal um, conditions. So the lake's already full. Uh, runoff has come in really steady. Uh, we haven't seen any um, heavy flows where you, where you get in there and you see the current coming in with stained water, really flushing a lot of uh, debris in. Uh, it's been real steady, so uh, our water is a little bit more clear than it is this than it is normally this time of year and uh but the the surface temps are still cool so we still have surface temps um in the mid 50s and low 50s so uh it's been different so we've had to adapt and change but we still have some fish that we're finding and that are biting and uh so it's still a good uh you know spring early summer bite going on out here uh right now the most plentiful and probably funnest thing I have going for most of our customers is the little kokanee salmon that Dylan has. So it's really cool. These kokanee salmon here haven't been stocked for over 40 years, and that's really unique uh, to Western, um, you know, salmon fisheries. So they're not very big. And when you look at the averages, you're looking at fish that are, you know, 8 to 12 inches. But I'm able to get out on uh, numbers of these fish and get people some bites. What's real fun about it is, this time of year, they're up shallower in some flat areas without a lot of snags, some muddier bottoms, and I can take just about anybody out there and get them onto to a vertical jig bite, and that's that's just a really great thing because you get people hands-on, able to hold their rods, um, do their own thing, feel their own bites, make their own catches. A lot of times doing what I do with a lot of families and beginners, as a guide, you can kind of get stuck doing a lot of trolling. So you're setting a rod in a holder and just uh, uh, setting a customer in a seat and, and waiting for him to get a bite. Well, the vertical jigging that I'm doing out here is, is super fun because um, it gets people involved. People learn a ton, um, gets them used to handling the rods and reels. And so it's great for beginners. And then even uh, my super avid fishermen that have fished all over the place uh, really enjoy a, a good one right after the other kind of hot bite um regardless of the fact that maybe these salmon aren't the biggest it's still a great fishing opportunity i know you and i were talking on the phone while you were out there <clears throat> earlier in the week and i could hear the customers you kept telling them keep that one put that one back they were catching them just steady while we were talking on the phone there are some other species out there um that you know are, are of interest to people of course there's the the browns and the rainbows, and then, of course, the Arctic char. Why don't we start with the browns and rainbows and finish up with the char? So um, the rainbows, we've been getting a fair amount stocked every year, 30,000 of them uh, on average. Uh, we've uh, been kind of working with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and um, they've been able to help us out by stocking us with rainbows late in the fall and early in the winter. So it's made a tremendous opportunity for, 
for the fish through the ice, and they do really well um, because of the micey shrimp forage base. In the summer, the rainbows don't do very well on the, the micey shrimp because the shrimp are so deep. But in the wintertime, uh, they come in shallow. They'll be in 20, 15 feet of water, and so the rainbows take advantage of that food source. And we've learned that if you stock these rainbows in the winter, once the shrimp come in shallow, then it's, it's a great situation for the fishing and those actually carry through until about now. We're starting to see them peter off. The micey shrimp have moved down deeper, and the bugs haven't started really hatching and moving yet. So now these rainbow trout are having a hard time for forage. Um, but we're still catching a few of those. Uh, so, Dylan, it, it, the fish don't grow very fast, but it's still a great rainbow trout fishery. And it's a put-and-take situation. Uh, we get them stocked regularly. We've been getting the cut bow species, and those have been a little bit more robust and, and growing a little bit faster. And so so we, we have some decent fishing here for rainbows. As far as the browns goes, um, Dylan's got this population of wild brown trout, and they're really amazing fish. When you catch one, they have the deeper colors and the bigger hooked jaws, and uh, that's been a great opportunity out here. However, over the last few years, with the increase in popularity of fishing up here, we're seeing a lot of their spawning areas, the tributaries to Dillon, um, get get a lot of fishing pressure during the spawn. And then we've seen a lot of uh, um, increased fishing pressure out here on the lake. So um, we've actually seen a bit of a, kind of seen a rise in the, in the fishing for the brown trout and then seen a little bit of a decline in the larger fish. So therefore, we're looking at... Um, the state, the CPW is looking at a regulation change out here on on uh, some some uh, catch and release. So minimum, we'll get uh, catch and release on brown trout over 14 inches, and then we'll have spawning area closures. Um, so um, it continues to be a good fishery for brown trout, and now um, it's time to start uh, adapting and stuff. And it's nice to see that we're seeing some some regulation changes to help that on the browns. Let's switch over to the char, but we'll make it quick because I want to spend some time on Green Mountain, too. Okay. Um, well, the char are uh, been very interesting. We had the char stocked heavily from 2007 through 2014. And then from, from for now, we've been looking at nine years of relying on the, that base of stocked fish as well as natural reproduction. So what we've seen is we've seen a big decline in the smaller fish, but they're still there. So we have natural reproduction happening, but it's not happening in a rate to where we have this major prolific um, population of these, you know, smaller fish. And by that, I mean catchable, you know, nine to say 14 inch fish. So we've seen a lot less of those, but the population that's been in here, um, they live a long time and they are continuing to grow. So now we're starting to see these five, six, and seven pounders pop up. Uh, the state record was recently broken in January, a seven and a half pound um, Arctic char. And so now you're getting into where, okay, that's a that's a pretty legit sized fish um, by all standards, um, you know, internationally, so to speak. So I think, um, you know, it, there's not that many of them, but they're here. And so um, it presents quite an opportunity for, you know, trophy fishermen, species hunters, somebody that wants to go in and do something a little bit uh, more targeted and and, uh, and doesn't mind saying, hey, I, I'll, I'll go out all day. I just want to catch one or two of these things or three of them. 
Um, and so those fish are there. I had a customer um, on our last ice fishing trip this year, which was April 28th. I had a customer catch one. We didn't weigh it. But that thing was like 26 and a half inches long. It was huge. It was a magnificent fish. So, so that's really cool. That presents um, an awesome opportunity out here. And, and, I, and um, I, I heard um, just, just through kind of the um, chatting with the, uh, the biologist, the CPW, that they are looking at trying to acquire more eggs and then possibly pick up a stocking program again for the Arctic char, which, which is that's exactly what we need. And if, they, if they could keep um, stocking us with those fish, this lake definitely supports them and grows them. And I think it could be a very viable um, Arctic char fishery in the, in the future, given that we can get some more of them stocked. All right, let's quickly switch to Green Mountain. We have about four minutes left. Um, Green Mountain is a great success story. It was virtually in trouble because of gill lice. They quit stocking it. The fishery was in trouble. It has rebounded tremendously, hasn't it? You know, it really has. Uh, it was a five-year time period on that, and it, it was pretty rough. We we saw the brown trout population kind of bounce in, bounce back as, as uh, we didn't see the the uh, rainbows in, in Kokanee getting stocked. Um, the, the, the smaller lake trout maintained. You can go out there and catch a ton of smaller lake trout. And then we saw the larger lake trout um, become pretty emaciated. You, you started seeing these fish get super skinny. Um, I think uh, uh, a fair amount of them died off, but there was still a fair amount of them that were keyed into the other diet, sucker fish and crayfish that made it through. And so there's there's still some very nice Lakers in there. There's not a whole lot of them, um, but they're there. And the, the ones that we've caught this spring and the ones they netted this spring just recently last week in the um, um, gill nets, the, the CPW, um, we're finding these, these uh, 34, 35-inch fish that are up there in the 15, 20-pound range, real good body condition. So uh, they, they, they restocked in 2020, they restocked 200,000 kokanee salmon so that's been three and a half years now those salmon are turning up and they have grown really fast the salmon they stocked are already up to about 17 inches um 15 to 17 inches and so that's a very nicely sized kokanee salmon um and then uh, along with the salmon population we've seen a population of cut bows um that uh which is really interesting i think uh there's there's some natural reproduction going on. They could be coming from the Blue River. They could be coming out of Cataract Creek. Um, so it's apparent, and it looks like uh, there's some natural reproduction coming on. We're having these rainbows and cutbows show up that your average size is in that 15, 16-inch range. And um, we've caught just some beautiful, fat, uh, healthy cutbow trout out there this spring, too. So um, it's, it's offering up some good fishing opportunity. The, the salmon right now at the very moment, it's not like there's a ton of them, but you can still go out there and expect to, to, to get into them right now. They're really shallow. So this is kind of the time of year. You don't have to worry about your downriggers and all your, your heavy stuff in your lead core right now. They're from the surface, um, to 10 feet deep, you know, 15 feet deep. So that makes it a fun, fun opportunity to go out there and, and try and catch those kokanee out there too. So. Well, you know, and you always have the opportunity there to, like you said, the smaller lake trout, those, you know, maybe 
I'm thinking 12 to 18-inch lake trout. They're still prolific there. And there's nothing wrong with catching a few of those and taking them home either. That's And they'll always provide you with some alternative action. Got about a minute left, Randy. Let's tell people about your guide service. Tell people what Alpine Fishing Adventures does. Well, we operate primarily here off of Lake Dillon, and we focus on family-friendly um, kind of just trips that, that anybody can get into. So I'm getting ready to take out a trip now. It's a three-hour trip not start until 945. Uh, it's a very affordable price. I've got a 22-foot pontoon boat here. There's six people coming out, and um, it's set up to where uh, some people can hang out and enjoy, and other people can fish. And so we've kind of set that up. That's our main deal. Um, we cater to uh, a lot of the tourists up here, and then we like to, as far as the Denver folks go, we like to make it super family-friendly. Um, and, uh, we kind of really focus on that with our expansion out to green mountain though. We're starting to get something to offer for, um, more of our avid anglers. I've got a lot of repeat customers that come up here and fish for the Browns and the char and the salmon. And uh, now I'm able to offer them something new by, um, expanding out to green mountain. So we, we just this year in March started running some trips out there and we do ice fishing trips out there. And that's nice because we use snowmobile access. So that's another um, aspect to it that we've got going. And um, then we just uh, function um, specifically on Dillon and uh, Green Mountain. And we've got, like I said, we've got the three hour trips that I'm getting ready to do now. And then we also offer a four hour trip as well as um, the six hour trips um, and full day trips. And we, do most of those full-day trips out at Green Mountain. My friend, we are out of time, but how do people find Alpine Fishing Adventures? Uh, you could just get right on to fishdillon.com, and then um, you can always give us a call at 303-885-6292. And fishdillon.com. Okay, it sounds great. Randy, awesome adventures. I need to come up and share them with you one day. Hey, you bet. You know that, that invitation for you is uh, always here whenever you got time to to make it up all right my friend thank you so much yeah thanks for having me on terry i really appreciate it you bet randy ford some unique fishing opportunities between dylan and now green mountain bouncing back and randy i'm sure would share all the information you'd want in addition to booking trips if you get a hold of them with fishdylan.com we're gonna take a time out and we come back i'm going to talk about an event coming up that's near and dear to my heart on terry wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 the fan listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Got a few things I want to cover in this short segment before we get to some more fishing talk. One is the secondary draw applications are being accepted by Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I have put a um, a post on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook that'll take you to that information. Uh, you know, it's been a different year because they reduced the number of licenses up in the northwest this year because of the harsh winter. So you may be looking for an alternative place to hunt, and that secondary draw could be just just the ticket for you. So check that out. Go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see a post on that. It, it uh, I, I believe the deadline's in about a week or two. So check that out. All the information, that link will take you to the information. Also, there's an event going on at Chatfield on uh, 
the 29th of July. It's called Cast for Kids. If you are listening, if you're a regular listener, you know we did one of these or had one of these at Horsetooth just a few weeks ago. These are incredibly special events. Uh, they take disadvantaged or challenged kids, and they get them out fishing. And if you've never been involved in anything like this, it'll change your life. Or if you have a child that has never been involved with anything like this, it'll change their life. I had a personal experience that went back when I was, I took a young man out, they put his wheelchair in my boat, and he got in the boat, and he had a request for a certain type of large fish that was going to be just insanely impossible to catch. And for some reason, we got lucky, and I was able to get him one. And I, he became, him and I became close friends and seeing him smile, he couldn't cast, but he could reel in and we trolled around and, uh, he, he, the look on his face and the treasure that he brought to my life were just unbelievable, but you don't have to be an expert fisherman. You just have to have a boat that can accommodate some of these kids. They need volunteers and they need boaters to help take care of all the kids that are signed up. So I, there's another post on our Facebook page, Terry Wisham Outdoors. It's shared from the folks at Tightline Outdoors. And it talks about the event at Chatfield and how you can become involved. They need more boaters and they need more onshore volunteers. You can help change somebody's life, and I'll guarantee you it'll change your life even more than theirs. So go check that out. That go to Terry Wixom Outdoors. Uh, I've got information there on the the secondary draw and on the casting for kids event at Chatfield Reservoir. So make sure you do that. Now, somebody uh, uh, wanted to talk about catfish. We don't have time to cover it in this segment, but we're going to get into uh, fishing a lot of local lakes in the next two segments after the top of the hour. I will find some time, maybe at a couple different places, to talk about catfish. Catfish are a very underutilized resource in Colorado, and there's a lot of great catfishing here and a lot of ways to go about catching them. So we will give you some time on that if you're able to hang on. If not, remember, we podcast everything. So go back and listen to the second hour of this show on the hourly podcasts, or go back and... uh, and uh, listen to the segment interviews that are on my page on 104.3 The Fan. And we post a lot of those on Facebook, too, at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You know, if you're into the show, you need to follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We put so much information up there. By the way, uh, you heard a Trigger Time Gun Club commercial uh, during the break. Um, they are becoming the premier seller of high-end knives in Colorado. And they're going to expand that. They've added brands. And they're going to be adding an online sales uh, means that they're going to really specialize in it. So you might want to pay attention for that. Hey, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, the folks from Tightline Outdoors are going to join us. And first half hour, next hour, we're going to talk fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.